afternoon, Dr. James Harris. How are you? Oh, Dr. Nick Flores. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm yeah. I don't know. I I feel like I wanted that to be an easier question to answer. And then I was like processing my actual feelings and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I feel optimistic, but I also genuinely feel a level of anxiety about specifically my profession and our space in the world uh, that I don't normally feel. And so that's maybe a thing we can talk about, whatever. Yeah, I think I think that that is something that we can jump into with our check-in. Um, and that is for this week, you know, have uh, but so maybe, but, and so the far, wait, cause I wanted to make sure we said that this is learning on the job. That's all. And then we can yeah. do the check-in. This is learning on the job. Uh, right. And we're, as you can probably surmise based on just right now, we're still learning on the job. Why does it matter at the end of the day? I just fear that we'll find ourselves in a place where I too have forgotten that this is the name of the show. Uh, and then <laughs> where will we be? Somewhere better, hopefully. Checking oh. in. Checking in. So it looks like we have a question here about, have you contributed to help hashtag stop the steal? So this is my question for you is all I want to know is how are you, how are you, how are you processing the presidency being stolen from our rightful dictator? And I do mean <laughs> stolen. I am honestly, ever since it was called that Saturday, um, I have more or less disavowed much of what has transpired as much <laughs> as I can, only because I think for my own mental, spiritual, and physical health, I have unwittingly put in too much maybe faith into, you know, the insurmountable kind of, I don't know, fear and anxiety that has come with that, that is just a, is a continuity of what like we've been dealing with for the past four years. And that like, I'm just, you know, again, disavowal in its most kind of strongest terms about like, no, 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 we're, we're finished with this now. It'll be January 20th and we'll be done with this. No, 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 no. Like, and, and literally at every point in this process has that been challenged, um, whether in the courts or just kind of by his supporters. Um, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm still holding out. I think I'm optimistic. I think that might be naive. And maybe I am like, you know, should be. I don't want to oversell the extent to which I'm, you know, I don't, the sarcasm and irony are dead. They were killed mm -hmm. by this administration. And so like, I, I often tell my students the story about how I used to think I ironically loved Fergie. Cause like, she's <laughs> that girl in the black eyed peas and they added a girl when they decided they wanted to be a pop band. And that's a weird thing to do. And then she's Fergie and she's like a weirdly outsized personality. And it started as this like, ha 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 Fergie, what a stupid thing. And then like one day I was listening to London Bridges like alone by myself and enjoying it and I realized that there was, there was no irony like there is no so like I don't know I don't want to stress the extent to which I'm being ironic but I do I do think that it's a farce right that like it's Marx right it's first as or, or, or sort of it's 
sorry, not Marx, it's Nietzsche. Uh, at first it's tragedy, then it's farce. farce. But like what we're dealing with here is that, is that like the first time we ran through this sort of Trumpy nightmare, it was an actual tragedy. This time he didn't even win. Like this is fully just a farce. Like this is a joke. Like he can't, yeah. this isn't, none of this is serious. And perhaps, perhaps and we've... the extent to which it is a distraction from the real two things which are happening, which are the rapidly ballooning pandemic, maybe three, the encroaching reality of a person who no longer has the shield of immunity to protect them from like the consequences of their actions. And like the sort of the the nation that needs action to be happening while it sits back and does nothing, right? Like the narrative instead we've chosen to tell is that he's fighting this thing. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not, what he, that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is just that he's trying to distract us from the reality that he's lost his job and doesn't want to admit it. Out of a job. Mm. You know, and like hit, hit him and how many millions of Americans are out of job now because of but the thing is, he's literally not out of a job because he never no. quit the other one. Like, he still runs that business. He's still just going to go back and do that. And frankly, should because it's not doing great. So it's like wild that this is the thing that, that I, what so I'm from, struggling with, what I've been thinking a lot about, and we will, I think, maybe talk about this in a bit, is like, I, 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 think we have to be very careful what we wish for uh, because some part of this feels to me like the realization of an argument that those of us who study and invoke postmodernism all the time have been talking about since the fucking 60s right that like there will come a moment where there is no truth and everything has become evacuated of meaning and it's all just sort of argument layered on top of argument and there have always been like a contingent of people saying like no but what about like humans and what about feeling and empathy and all the other sort of alternate ways of seeing the world but we have I think consistently bought into the sort of like avant-garde brilliant of evacuating truth and meaning from things and so we find ourselves in this place where like now we have to make the argument that truth means something and it's like we're kind of shitty salespeople for that we're the ones who like pulled the rug out in the first place and so it's hard to make sense of how to feel about it because at some level like i mean i think there's something fundamentally fascinating happening here these people genuinely like we don't share the same reality and we live in the same world and we can watch the same things and call it what you will. Like I would say that they have walled themselves off so far from like the ability to hear the things we want to say that it's like not a conversation. All of it gets filtered through the sort of like, uh, you know, uh, confirmation bias and desire to see in it what you want to see. And I think they would say that, you know, liberal media and it's all lies and bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and maybe both are true. And it's, mm -hmm. it feels like it's hard to be the person who's out here saying, but believe in science. When at some level I have for my entire intellectual career been the person being like, but isn't science kind of just like a bunch of white dudes like making shit up? Right. Social, yeah, that, that it is a social and dynamic process, certainly. And, you know, and to your point, how much of that to, how much, how much of like the kind of walling off or the, the us versus them is, is simultaneously or kind of additionally reinforced by us too, right? Like certainly Absolutely. like that, that is, that is, that is the, that is the kind of um, 
what, what I'll say is from, from unirony to perverse irony, I think is like where we are now, right? Like I've been trying, I've been waiting to, to drop that with you, James, you know, so we're going from a place of like unirony or non-irony to perverse irony, where it just seems like we're wrapped up in this, uh, this warped reality, these warped realities, right? Because there's not one single one, as you have like so eloquently kind of pointed out and observed, but it's like the, the, the kind of perversities that we are now dealing with, which I think we've been dealing with for the past four years. And, and, and actually, and I, and I actually don't want to kind of give into that logic either, because that, that, that makes it seem, it also contributes to this idea that like it was really good before, right? Like, no, like I remember whenever, I remember when immigrants were being deported at all time high rates. I remember Bio when people were being Obama. detained. I remember like, right. And you know, I was, I was in a conversation. There was a book launch. Yes. That, last night that I was, uh, got to observe. And one of the questions that I think many of us are grappling with is, you know, even though like, yes, like there is a, a momentary sigh of relief in a potential new presidency. Right. Cause I mean, we're not even there yet. Like, and, and Lord knows what will come uh, or what is to come up until that point. But, but certainly I think, it occludes or eclipses uh, the the kind of status quo that I think we all, or not that we all, but rather that 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 certain people find comfort in. That is actually rooted in like hella violence to black, trans, poor people, immigrants, right? Like that that in fact we are uh, like that 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 Trump may be gone, but Trumpism, the Trump effect, is like very much present and will be here for the years to come right and i think you know, that that is something that like i've been thinking a lot about with. how the great truly the one thing that i will give the fuckhead is that donald trump is spectacularly good at putting his name on a thing he had nothing to do with and Trumpism is the like the legacy of that right like yeah. yep they're gonna call it trumpism and they're gonna paste his face on it and maybe that'll be a reminder of what you look like when you do it but i want to be so very clear that he did not make this shit show like no. he didn't he was not the first he was not the loudest he saw an opportunity and he went for it because what we're looking at is just like the long legacy of a country that still refuses to reckon with its own history like we think we're getting out of this without dealing with what it was we want to just turn the page and i think that that was ultimately the problem of the sort of great like Obama compromise, right? Was it like the sort of quote unquote Obama Trump voters, the people who voted for Obama twice and then turned around and voted for Trump. Like, I think the reason that they did that was because they truly did believe that if I vote for Obama, that means like all the talk of racism will just it's end. A, and we can hit reset, narrative. not progress, full reset. Like I'm done now, that's over and I don't want to hear about it. Cause like we were fine with progress. Everybody was cool with progress, but progress meant actually reckoning with with how we got to where we are. And that was always a bridge too far. Like, no, we don't want to do any of that shit. Well, we gave you a black president, stop talking about it. So I think that, the, I mean, so the reason why I said progress narrative is because I think for anyone, or for, for people who are critical of progress as a, as a heading that people may rally under in general, like that that is never, that's an impossible task to get. It, it is, it is, it, it falls along a line 
a teleology, if you will, that is impossible oh, to ever will. achieve. And that is, that is an impossible task, right? Like progress actually, you know, doesn't, it doesn't manifest in the ways that we hope it does or that we want it to, uh, that, that simply, I think, again, reveal or attempt to, will reveal the kind of status quo as a inherently violent thing additionally, right? Like believers or people of, you know, a certain type of version of progress, again, want to eclipse. I guess what I'm struggling with, with is like, huh, is like all the versions of like the world that are not competitive evolution, right? Like I, I can't, I, I wonder that we aren't like, my problem with that narrative, right, is that it traps us in this place where like fundamentally we are competing against one another for some sort of paucity mm -hmm. of resources and that it is a zero sum in a game of engagement. And I mean, I think given the history of contact, like that makes a certain sense. And I just wonder like, I don't know, I get very annoyed by I, a kind of like woo woo yeah. aesthetic that's like, oh, before there was conquer, there was like perfect peace and harmony. And of course Certainly. there was yeah. misogyny I'm... and bullshit in every moment before colonial contact. But like outside of the framework of like what has, what half colonialism wrought, like right. aren't there versions of socialities that don't suck that are as otherwise. bad as this one? Right, that, that, that some scholars consider or, or describe as kind of an otherwise. And certainly I'm not, so I don't subscribe to the progress narrative. I'm merely pointing it out as a thing that I've seen emerge in conversations among people who are, I guess, I don't know, who, who want, a, who want, who yearn for a desire, a kind of world that is still less critically engaged or right, or that, 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 that doesn't seek to imagine otherwise. Right, that doesn't want to imagine otherwise. And I think that that for me has kind of been a, a, not a shock, but a kind of, you know, a bump in the road as it were of like, oh, wait, like, yeah, I forget that I still am friends. I am friends and I have colleagues who believe in this in certain narratives of progress, right? That, that themselves have set the limits and the terms and the frameworks in such a way that, that disallow or disable any kind of imagining otherwise. Um, and you know, like I, I think that, that 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 we're living through a moment where uh, I've been attending a lot of workshops recently about publishing because I need to publish more, and because I'm <laughs> workshopping a book proposal, um, and, and so various university presses have been hosting again these like, really amazing resources, um, kind of webinars about you know the process, and there's so much that certainly I can get into that I had no idea about. But, but one thing that one of the edi uh, acquisition editors and editors at this, uh, um, at this publishing webinar said was like, he was so convinced that actually the kind of critical work that is going to be generated or that is generated as an effect of what's happening now can potentially lead us or, or point us to otherwise and can, you know, you know, and, and maybe he's, there's too much faith in like the academic industry. And there you know, is that's sure. there's, and there, and you know, there is certainly a conversation for that. But I think, you know, we are not immune to uh, our own, our own narratives, our own narratives of progress, even if they don't go under that heading. Um, I don't know. Yeah, neither do I friend. 
neither <laughs> do I. But in the spirit of not knowing and, you know, and rethinking what it means to progress, uh, would you like to think about some failing, but like maybe better? We'll call it failing better. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, friend. Oh, friend, the week I've had. Um, Tell me about it. Tell me about it, James. <laughs> So, you know, we went to the same institution. Uh, uh, what was that thing Drake said once? We were in the same building, but we had different views. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I, I and ended to up- sure, To be sure, to be sure. Drake, the rapper musician, not Drake, the president of said former institution. Oh, no, I'm sure he does, in fact, quote the rapper when he wants to seem cool. Although now he's out at UC. I heard right, he's like, right, maybe right. the chancellor? Is that true? He's, 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 he's the first something of his position, Black man in his position at the UC system. I think system, he might yes. be the chancellor of UC. And um, I don't expect that this podcast has quite that reach but i'm just gonna <laughs> hold my tongue so he's good for him i'm never sad to see a black man get a check no for sure uh is uh let's see no he's the president yeah i thought as much yeah, yeah. No, no he's not, he's not, not like, a chan- no, he's not okay, a chancellor fair, he's the president like, yeah he gets the good check um <laughs> So good for him. Yeah. Uh, good for him, I guess. And weird choice. Good for them. And that was a good choice for them. And everybody's happy. And let's move on. Um, Moving on. Because uh, it's not a good time to be in community colleges. It's real bad out here. It's mm. real, real, real bad out here. And I don't know. Like I. So when I showed up at my current institution, it was a bit of a shock and a change because I'd never been in like new york and i do think that like there's something about new york that's very different from everywhere else in the world that like there's a kind of urgent manic energy that's necessary to get anything done like you can't just sort of like be a little bit engaged and get where you want to be it's like very much squeaky wheel gets the grease all the time and so like if you want attention you always have to be in crisis mode and so like i arrived at CUNY and it was in crisis mode. And like everybody around me was like, oh yeah, no, that's just business as usual. Like we're in perpetual crisis mode. Like that's how things operate. Like we, it's all, the, the sky is always falling around here. And so like for the entirety of the time I've been here, it's been a little bit difficult to assess the extent to which like you, I, you hear things that sound really bad. Like we're closing down our writing center and outsourcing it to a company called tutor.com that's based out of China and uses like, you know foreign labor that they pay nothing at all to review students work mm-hmm. and you think like that sounds really like a gre- that's like very bad though right and they're like yeah business is like i know but like the sky is always falling that's how business runs and it does seem like like so i've become accustomed to that as like the status quo here at cuny uh and it feels like it's getting worse like it feels like it's now it's not just us like it's spreading and in part it's absolutely in maybe large part it's absolutely the pandemic that's like depressing sort of community college enrollment everywhere uh the chronicle of higher ed just had a story about it today that's like them trying to dive into the numbers because we've been sort of raising the alarm since march that like hey our students are leaving and at some very real level i mean i feel like i've made this point maybe a couple times that like 
we are competing with a student who would in another world also maybe just go to University of Phoenix. And now mm. we're in a world where we're, what we're offering is literally just that, uh, but with less of the sort of infrastructural back end. So we're less good at doing what they're doing and we're playing their game and we're getting our asses handed to us. And it's mm. worrisome in a bunch of different ways. Certainly. Do you think, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on, obviously it, we're living in a pandemic moment and the, the issues that are emerging cannot be divorced from the pandemic. But I wonder what the utility of, or not even, I, I don't even know why I use that word. I wonder what community colleges will look like in a post-pandemic world. Do you imagine there being, and, and maybe, that, maybe it's too speculative a question to ask because you have to deal with the now, right? Like certainly the urgency is in the now with students leaving or not, you know, choosing to enroll elsewhere. Uh, that, that does directly affect community colleges, right? That is directly affecting Absolutely. your institution now. And so I guess, you know, I, I think, and, and we're in two very different institutions and two very different institution types where I think for the most part at, you, an R1 public land grant institution, the one that I'm at currently, it, it, there's not, there's been less of an urgency around finances, I think. And interestingly, we like the, the, the college, the university met its enrollment numbers this year, interestingly, and like maybe even exceeded them. Um, that again, I just, um, you know, I, I think more to your point about we're, we're not, we're now on, we're playing on a terrain that many of us have no idea how, like ultimately, like, you know, I mean, I think we know maybe a little bit how to play like the online remote teaching thing, but certainly as you pointed out, there are institutions that have been devoted to this for years that know exactly like how to deliver, you know, what kind of deliverables can it produce, even if they are for profit. So I guess, I mean, so is this more just a, a, a diagnostic observation on your end then about just like community college or like, what do you imagine or how do you imagine, can you imagine, you know, what comes, what is to come? And if that's too loaded a question or maybe less, um, less oh, directing, then let me know. No, sorry. This, I mean, you know, it sucks. Cause like the dead air of me sitting here thinking uh, while I process and, and cause I, that, cause I feel like I can answer the question to some extent, at least I can take a crack at it. Um, so, so as I ramble, it's me collecting the thoughts that are like, ultimately, uh, You're not I being don't... graded here. You're not being graded. You're not being judged. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's only the judgment I give myself and I give <laughs> myself permission to fail. Um, I don't, think I have a clear sense of it, right? Because mm. like, I think that the problem as I've come to understand it from my, again, very limited time at this one institution, that's like one community college uh, in one sort of larger, very specific network that has its own kind of problems. But also, you know, these are issues that other people at community colleges are definitely experiencing. Um, I think that there is a real sort of like 
conversation that I won't say is a fight, but that I do think would come to blows if it had to between people who believe that the work of a community college is to be a sort of trade school and people mm-hmm. who believe that the work of a community college is to function as something like a junior college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I think in the tradition of CUNY, these are institutions that have historically performed the role that something more like a junior college where you sort of go to them when you are maybe not too old for or like past the qualification level for high school, but not fully ready to go into a four-year institution. You would go to one of these schools to sort of finish your whatever work to get prepared to be ready to go on to a four-year institution, right? Mm -hmm. We imagine, or I, there is a certain contingent in our faculty that imagine that like the purpose of a Bronx Community College goal, degree rather, is to get you into a four-year institution so you can go on and finish, uh, quote unquote finish. Uh, And then there is like, you know, in the, in the like one or two interactions I've had with like the higher ups of the school, the sense that I've gotten from them is that the programs they're most interested in are the things like nursing and like automotive training and like the kinds of things where you can get a certification and you don't have to do anything afterwards and it's sort of a trade degree that you do alongside your job um and and I think those are both really noble goals I do my fantasy is that we do them both in the same institution I mean part of why I took this job was the fantasy that you could do them both in the same institution you would build Mm -hmm. a college that genuinely served the community and like whatever the community needs if you need a stepping stone to get ready to go on to four-year college that costs more money if you just want to like save up a little bit and like save some time but keep working towards your degree like you can do that or if you want to sort of finish out your nursing qualifications or your sort of like certification and whatever thing like you can do that um and and I don't know that it makes sense to run that college at the like expenditure level that CUNY runs a college or really any community college does. I mean, I think that like, you know, it's the, it's the problem that we've had in every other industry that's finally come to roost in higher ed, which is like, you can be very easily outsourced by people who have lower qualifications, but like also lower cost. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just processing all of this because this is, I mean, and, and you know better than I, obviously being kind of in, in it. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, higher education writ large. Oh no, we're all fucked. Is like all if we're like fucked, very like it's on every, its way. Yeah, no, I mean, and I mean, yeah, the different kind of scales or, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't like to arbitrarily put up distinctions between different institutions of higher education because I don't know that the, it's not useful. Um, and I think that, you know, as you've outlined here, that the, that the real concerns about enrollment or the real concerns about students, you know, not coming back, that, that again, cannot be divorced from the pandemic conditions that we are living through that has had an entire effect on everyone, right? Absolutely. Um, for better or for worse. Um, And, you know, like students in the New York area who might be prone to go to community college in particular are are definitely being directly affected. Right. I mean, it's there are just so many entry points into the conversation that I think are, I mean, generative to think about and think alongside about, you know, the state of higher education, the state of your institution in particular, the state of kind of community college. And there's a there's like a concern that I don't think, again, the kind of conversation around higher education in general has 
been able to like reckon with since 2007-2008 um that is just being exacerbated a la COVID-19 so it's, I mean and, and you know yeah sorry go ahead no go no I was just gonna say you know I this you know like so what is it that students need in order to pursue higher education and I, I'm seeing or I'm thinking about maybe kind of a next point about you know I'm someone who had to take out loans both in undergrad and grad school and I'm not drowning in it like some of my colleagues and friends are but certainly that is a that is a thing that it, it seems to just be part of the landscape of higher education like if you are going to pursue higher education you more or less have to take out student loans right and so I guess I'm trying to think about the conversations that you're having and kind of bring in kind of alongside a conversation around you know like if students do go like what is it what what does it mean then if they are you know taking out insurmountable debt and then not having jobs afterwards or you know it just this the various systems entwined don't make it easy for anyone it's and especially people who are economically disadvantaged i i i am um <laughs> ah so much there right i've been thinking a lot about uh well student loan debt because like you know we're getting a new president we're getting a new president and so the conversation with the new president has been about like the possibility for student loan debt relief up to fifty thousand dollars um and i've been thinking a lot about that because you know you and i went to like grad school every every single person i know has student loan debt Mm -hmm. um and it is you know to varying degrees i think some people are pretty close to on their way out actually no one of my friends paid hers off but like she only had a ba at the time and is currently doing law school so we'll have some new debt to oh. talk about soon yeah so like you know it's it's i think about that a lot cuz like we're we're like we are the middle class right we're the people who are told like this is how That's you move so ahead bizarre. or stay where you are and it's like this is how you like this is it's it's the extraordinary cost of just like even remaining participant in the system you know um it's it's funny it's funny that you kind of call us into that you um uh articulate us as the as the middle class because we I mean are I mean I'm I've had four paychecks but like it's yeah but you'll it's, get it's four more yeah and I know no no I know it, what I'm trying to say is like this is a position a kind of class situatedness that I've never experienced in my entire life it's wild and it is like absolutely bizarre and wild and I'm and I and I struggle I'm struck because I didn't have financial literacies growing up like I didn't know so and this directly relates to kind of student loans. So I actually could have not taken out student loans in grad school, but I did because I was anxious about like not having, I mean, I mean, part of it was like, I needed it for like things like food, but other part of it was like, you know, I want to be able to not have to like stress about like finances because I, I still do, right? Like, I mean, I don't think that that'll ever leave, unfortunately, um, especially as someone who grew up kind of working poor in rural Texas. And, you know, I didn't know anything else 
I knew that I wanted, I knew that I wanted more maybe, but I didn't realize the kind of um, the, the other financial trappings that happen even with like middle-classness or that if you don't have certain literacies around finances that you can kind of, again, get kind of trapped in, you know, debt or you can get trapped in credit cards or, you know, that all, all these things that, you know, you just don't, like I didn't have, again, didn't have these financial literacies. And so I'm still struggling with that. Even if I do have a, a, a paycheck that supports me, that supports a living wage. Well, um, no, and I guess for me, I guess like, sorry to interrupt. No, sorry. I mean. What I, I was just thinking that like, that's for me, that's why it's so much a moral argument because no, it's like sure. you could, you, even when you succeed, even when you do everything you were supposed to do, right? Go to the correct school and you got into the good school. Yay for you. And the good school isn't free. And like, I actually was lucky in so far as like, I got a full ride for undergrad. Yay me. And also like a fellowship for grad school. So they paid for a year and a half. Yay me. But it's a six year program. They paid for the whole thing, right? But right. like, you know, you have to live your life and work for them. And so like they're saying they're paying for it, but what they mean is you will be underpaid labor for them and you will teach their oh, yeah, classes but... and then you will get like very minimal healthcare and a pittance to like show up every day. But like also in addition to that, like you said, if you plan to eat food or I don't know, like sleep on something, not a milk crate, like you're gonna need money from elsewhere. So it's like a combination of like many years I had extra jobs elsewhere but every Ooh. like a couple years i had to the sort hustle of, oh the hustle oh the hustle and then of course every summer they just stop paying you outright because we don't know you oh and my gosh ice was, cold it was so <laughs> like, it was, like oh we're not so friends rude. no more like the like like it there's no so, we'll see you in the fall we'll see you in make, the if make, you make it make we'll do. see yeah. you in the make fall do. good luck make do girl make do good oh. luck that thousand uh. dollars that was for the next 90 <laughs> days that was good luck so Palm you know like Palm i United think States that government but but we did all that and we did all that and then we got the job and that was also fucking impossible and it's still <laughs> just like yeah no i think that if i if i were to try to pay the amount of student loan like payment that you want from me like it would be a actual burden like it would become a, like this is burdensome mm -hmm. in a way that feels like isn't there some kind of sense that of all the things we forgive in a society that, you know, like famously bailed out every bank and like routinely bails oh, out right. failing farms and has no problem whatsoever hurling money at like what I who at just the laundry list system. of people who got like loans from the PPE program this like fucking Kanye. Yeah, like, I don't want to talk about it. Like how like, millions. But Ugh. so the idea that we're not willing to give that money to people who like used it to the go to school so we could, I don't know, then teach your fucking kids is like, and I'm not even assuming that you have to have taught at the end of it. Like, I think if you just have student loan debt, like, cool, let's just start over. And this time we will build schools not built like they're in debt to credit card companies. And we won't have these wild systems of just like continuing to raise unnecessary amenities so we can raise prices and build an administration that does nothing but like balloon the price of the school. Mm -hmm. And then maybe just maybe school would be a thing everyone would do. And if everyone was like, you know, informed and critically thinking, they would make decisions that would make the last four years a thing we never had to live through. 
And there was the fantasy, right? No, but there's the moral <laughs> argument for why we can very easily make this one that. huge gesture that would oh, make no, such sure. a big difference. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, it and, will not solve the problem. And, and, and have you, I mean, so I haven't personally seen narratives or people discuss student loan debt who have paid off debt, um, but apparently on Twitter, there's like a lot of conversation about people who are like upset who have paid off their debt about what it would mean to eliminate other people's debt. And that's also something that for me is like, if I had, like, if I had spent years to pay off my debt and then someone after me got their debt wiped, I might be a little salty at first, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be upset to the point of like making a big deal about it. Like, I don't, I agree. I think that when we all have uh, a process in place that helps soothe over for all, like, because it, it's a long-term, right? That's, a, that's, I think, what is a lot of, or a difficulty for some, myself included, like, long-term, what does this mean? Oh, it means that it does relieve me of financial life burden, and it can open me up to think about, you know, other, not just investments, but other, like, things that I can, like, put my energies into that I think I have only a few months into this job have really started to kind of feel personally. And that is, you know, I, when I first started, cause again, I didn't have a paycheck until like I was already working a month. And so I did have to like, you know, figure out, you know, again, credit card debt, but, um, but I, I only a few months in after a few paychecks, have I now started to like, adjust a little bit like oh I don't I'm worried about finances but but truly like I I see now my own mental space opening up for work for like the work that I'm ultimately being paid for now right the kind of intellectual labor and you know I imagine I will be in a much different place even in a year but like this is not the reality for a vast majority of our friends right and a vast majority of the people that I you know I'm in contact with regularly undergrad through grad student, you know, in colleagues who are adjuncting, but to have the debt removed, I, it, you're right. It would, it, it, it would create, it could create a better world. Um, Didn't somewhere in the nightmarish cartoon show that has been the last four years, uh, the idiot dropped the biggest bomb that America's ever dropped in the world like whatever the price of that was let's put that towards student loan debt right like we could we could just revert a teeny tiny fraction of our stupid priorities toward things that might make the world like a slightly less awful place and then the world would be just a slightly less awful place like it's not asking for the moon it truly isn't these are easy answers Truly. Uh, friend, I think on that optimistic note, maybe we take a break and then we'll come back and I just have like a thought or whatevs that I feel won't take forever. I'm down. All right, we'll take a break. Let's do And we're back. I like to be back for some time spent, you know, just like 
engaging with disingenuous arguments the segment because we believe in segments wherein we take the time because you know like there's so many bad faith arguments just circulating in the world that often it's emotionally taxing so if you need a succinct way to just sort of like move on and not have to bring it up again this is the chance to just sort of engage with the disingenuous argument and uh and because i can't i can't I can't get it off my mind. Of course, it matters. I've been thinking a lot about the election uh, and I've been thinking endlessly about the sort of the notion that those of us who voted against fascism have some obligation to like, quote unquote, understand those who did. Uh, and I can't. And so I wonder what you think. I, so right now, I think that it is really difficult to attempt to open up mental space for myself for to, to have a conversation or to reach out or to under even to, to even understand to use your terms to understand uh, the side of racism the side of fascism um, that are hell bent on not understanding any other worldviews and so I am I am reluctant and I am not going to immediately you know invite any of them to the cookout or <laughs> um i'm not going to go out of my way to have a conversation and i i'm trying to think about like who i know that voted for trump um and i mean i'm also likely part of the problem because i have you know also muted and unfollowed and unfriended and you know hit the all whole, the buttons yeah. to, to, to just like protect myself and my time and my energy um, that I, I, I think that part of the kind of liberalism that is a harbinger of this very conversation that I think about like understanding the other side is going to be the death of any real progressive politic, right? Which is um, attempting to kind of better understand or work across the aisle. Like that doesn't exist anymore. Like I think, I think that that is uh, what this, these past four years, if anything has shown any critical thinker or observer is like, no, like once given the opportunity to take full advantage of the power, like the, the Trump supporter, the, the fascist will take their opportunities. And they're not gonna, they're, they have no interest in understanding us. Though I, it, it, they, don't, they have no interest in understanding anti-fascism. I, I, so much, so many things there. Um, I pack them for me, James, because I'm also kind of thinking out loud. I, and I appreciate it and thank you, truly, because I threw this one at you. Um, because honestly, <laughs> I don't know, I don't, I, I've, <sighs> Okay, so my surface level reaction is absolutely not under no circumstances. And so then I find myself thinking like, that's just as bad, right? Aren't you doing the thing you're mad at where you hold a position you are unwilling to move from? Like, I, and so I don't know, like, uh, and so like, let's go in a different direction. I've been thinking a lot this last week about 
the turnout and like how the turnout oh. was the oh. biggest turnout in oh. the in like something like for both of them for both of them well but okay so that's the numbers right that like there it was the biggest turnout in however long Election. like it's been decades like it's a it, it was a big deal but even still it was something on the order of like 67 percent of eligible voters which means that the reality is that like there's a very loud contingent of us on both both sides who are yelling at each other and saying nothing to all these people in the middle. And I think that for me, what I've decided is my new politic is that I'm not invested in trying to change Republicans' minds. I would like to talk to those people who are just like disengaging for whatever reason, right? The people who feel like the system is broken or like there's no place for me. And like, I feel like that's the end. Like that's the conversation we need to be spending our energy on. Because genuinely, like given a choice, these people chose fascism twice like fucking twice like it wasn't a mistake it wasn't a fluke it wasn't a bug it was a feature they like it and we have to stop imagining that we're gonna find the right colored person or like the right charismatic combination of circumstances that will somehow miraculously make mitch mcconnell into a decent human being it's like <laughs> at some point and i struggle with this because like i am a teacher and i believe profoundly in the teachable moment that like if we can't change people's minds why am i here but also, as a teacher, I'm not stupid. I know that some people are not trying to be taught. And like, mm -hmm. I feel like we're, this is the moment where like, there's a classroom full of people and we're spending all our energy on the bad kid who breaks shit. And it's like, yeah, but the mistake there is that like all those kids in the room who feel like school's stupid because nobody ever pays attention to them are just watching me exhaust myself trying to convince him to stop burning shit. <laughs> that is such an apropos analogy and thank you for that imagery. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, we just, uh, the, this is transporting me back to like undergrad days when I had one of my friends who was one of those poli-sci majors who was like very into it. Um, and his conversations that inevitably with him always went back to what, I forget who coins this, but the movable middle, right? Like that there is, you know, that there are a, there is a spectrum of kind of political ideologies in the United States, at least, whereby the right, the left, however we kind of classify them, the fascists and the non-fascists, um, <laughs> whereby like there is the, I know, and, and the, the terms of the conversation also are such that like how, and it's not even how did we get here? We know exactly how we got here. We it's just it. like many of us, I think myself included, like I maybe unwittingly contributed in ways that I didn't even know because I was just so caught up in the way that the world works that I was, I don't like, I think we fell, we fell asleep at the driver's seat. A lot of, I, we fell asleep at the driver's seat. Yep. Um, and yeah, so this conversation around the movable middle, right, is one where like, yeah, you, you, you then focus on the group of people, like these children or these students or these, the, and you know, we have to re we have to reinscribe and reinforce these like hierarchical terms. Our learning community, James. Our learning <laughs> community, as I like to refer to them as. There. Um, so our learning community, we 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 have to focus some attention on the the learning community members, right? Oh, who, I'm stealing that. Who? Oh man, I've I love. I don't ever address, you know, my quote students as they're my learning community. 
good, good, good nah, I like the hierarchical distance because <laughs> I can uh, look down well, on them. Well, I mean, I still like, I still, my, my email signature still says, you know, PhD on it. So like, I don't, like, I, oh, I don't know. See, that's I where like I get that, real informal. I, there I, I'm James. I like, I like, I like to let it, I like to let that speak for itself. <laughs> and um, so I just, dear learning community, but don't forget. Anyway, anyway, so, so the, um, the, uh, the idea then that, that there are members of our learning community that, that, that don't even require that, that we have a responsibility, I think, as you've articulated, or I'm, 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 or I'm interpreting what you've said as a type of responsibility that I think you and I, in particular, as members of higher education, whose, whose partial job it is to teach, right? that I think your, your observation is correct and like, you know, really focusing on the, that movable middle or the, the, the members of the learning community who, who don't feel included or are in many ways sometimes excluded from the conversation um, and, and strategizing and figuring out how to like bring them in you Absolutely. Know, to the, the anti-fascist side. But I do want to stress that when I say movable middle, I really, really, really aggressively underline this a million times, do not mean white moderates. Like that's not uh, what I'm, I'm not interested. What people, I'm talking about is like the litany of other people who don't consider themselves either sort of a liberal or right, people who are completely divested from like the political system as a whole. Like one of the things that amazes me about the Trump constituency is how many of them are flat earthers. Like he managed to mobilize people who normally look at politics and all they have to say is like, yeah, but like, you know, aliens are really out here to get us. It's like, I think that like there's, that's the more interesting conversation than trying to convince a Trump supporter that like that hat isn't a good look. <laughs> and it's not, my gosh, red hats. Red it wasn't you, ever a good look. They were always it? like, it was always a defiant oh. fuck you. It's like, it was the point that it's ugly is the point. <laughs> People of no color exhaust me. Truly. It's, um, look, not fair. I love so many of them. No, truly. I, likewise, but but also, they're exhausting. That is goddamn. They're not yeah. exhausting. Um, but okay. here we are, here, here we are. But um, also, uh, and so on to my next point, wherein I, you know, get too close to my own peoples. You know, I come from, a, you don't know this about me. Maybe you do. I come from a long line of AKAs uh, and not just AKAs. <laughs> not you, not you. Don't say that. You mean your, your... My mother. No, not yes. me. No, not me. This is a... This I was going to say, we got to, because I know I'm... This I'm, is a point of contention say. in my family okay. because okay. like I'm the like I also come from a long line of women like there's a lot of women in my family like they just like they're women who have women and so like there's like for a long time I was the only boy and so like they were all in this club that I was literally not allowed to join but they just kept rubbing it in my goddamn face and I didn't love it <laughs> and I don't now so wait we're transitioning into, uh, or unless you have other thoughts no 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 not at all no, no. yeah okay to, yes because i do want to talk about what you're thinking what you're thinking james this is a segment what you're thinking i want to just so, share... so you're thinking a lot about women you're thinking a lot about clubs. no i'm not i mean yes of course always but i'm mostly <laughs> just thinking about aks uh and i'm thinking about how i just i i'm excited about there being an aka vice president uh and you know joe the biden AKs is, love it, it joe, <laughs> 
one day I'll send you some of the memes that I have received because again, I want to stress that I am not in the club and it is pointed out to me on a pretty regular basis that I am not now, nor will I ever be in the club, in the but club. I get to watch the club throw themselves a club party and I'm here for it. And I love them and I support and respect their decisions. Um, and, and so good for them and good for Kamala Harris and yay, AKA's skiwi the world over. Uh, Someday soon, when the smoke <laughs> clears and the dust settles, we got to have a conversation about HBCUs because I just don't think I love them. Like, I just, I can't, I want to be behind the project, but I'm not actually sure that it works for me in a meaningful way. I, I want to be sold. My mother is a Howard, AKA. Like, I get oh. it. But also, like, yeah, but also, like, I... <sighs> I can't get the image of all the HBCU presidents like meeting with Trump out of my head. Like I just, I can't, there's something too talented Tenthy about it for me. And I just can't get on board. That's so real. I, I mean, I, I, I cannot speak to or about this Nick, what are your thoughts on blackness go <laughs> exactly no, wait, well, what's that I mean... question that uh what what quantity qualitatively do you like about black people is this a real question that people there, have asked people i will i'll send you there's like a podcast that's like that where you ask white people just like questions about like you know race yeah and one of them is what qualitatively do you like about black people no, that's not my question for you. The question is about AKAs? No, I think my question is just like... Sorority and fraternity life in general? My ambivalence about It's HBCUs. about the divine nine? No, because they're, you know, <laughs> like, they transcend HBCUs these days. Which again brings me back to the question of like, do these still serve a function? Do we still need them? And for what? But like, I don't know, we live in such a profoundly anti-Black world that almost feels like a crazy question to ask, except then I'm stuck with that image of each and every one of them, each and every one of them hanging out I with mean, Trump, like he was gonna do something for them. Like he was gonna do something for any of us. Can, well, I mean, is it, is it, was it, was it because, I mean, there's, there's, there's a certain kind of optic that I think that, what, that, what that's was the role. What was the image they wanted to send? I don't know. Okay, so I'm not here to like analyze the, I'm not here to like think about the vestitudes of like what like that, what that, what the optics meant per se, as much as it just like, I think that the role of the president is, is all about, is, is mostly about optics and that like there was a, I don't know, like for the same reason that, that the NFL team or that the basketball teams or that like, you know, and to be sure, people were like declining and we're like, I'm not going there to that person. Right. But is that so what you're getting at? Is that what you're getting at? So that's that what is. you're getting at. You're getting at like that they still went. Right. When every okay. Negro with half a gram of sense was like, mm, I'm good. And they yeah. came and watched Kellyanne Conway put her whole feet on that couch. In front oh my of gosh. That's right. That was then. That, that the was, the, the again, them. it's been 10,000 years. Yes. But oh like, my gosh. I, wow. every time I see that image in my head and I'm just like, she nah, that's not the best her, of us. She literally put the feet up. The whole of her wow. white trash. Wow. Feet. <laughs> mm. Okay. Uh, 
Shout out to her daughter who's on TikTok. Shout out to yeah, Claudia. Yeah, yeah shout out to Claudia. Yeah, shout out to her. And um, also a safe space. <laughs> truly, my gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Good. So, good like, I don't know. Like, I I'm, I struggle because at some level they are pillars of, like, Blackness in America, right? To be anti-HBCU is to be anti-Black. But I'm, but, but I like to think I'm not. I hope I'm not. I don't know. I hope I'm not. I do, though, feel a deep ambivalence about HBC. Like, I remember in my own, like, trying to figure out where to go to college. You know, my mother, like I said, is a Howard, a.k.a. And was like, you sure you don't want to go to Howard? And I was like, I think, I do we have to do this? Like, we're going to do this because I don't want to. And I think, you know, I don't want to. Like, it's a, it's a land where they still have single gendered colleges. Like, and I get that they're right next to each other and like, practically speaking, you can fuck all you want, but there's just something about like, bougie black people and single sexed institutions. It just feels like the opening episodes of Lovecraft Country to me. And I'm just, I can't, it, why are we still doing this? How is this still laugh, a thing? But like, the, your repertoire of analogies today has just <laughs> been like, and, and visuals is is just on point today, James. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how this all pans out. I guess is my response. Is my <laughs> will we will we at all? You know, um, I'm cheering for the success of everybody in America who didn't vote for Trump. Like Issa Rae, I'm you know I too am cheering for everyone black. And and honestly, though, everybody brown, but I now feel compelled to add asterisks who didn't vote for Trump. Trump, who didn't vote for Trump. Certainly, yeah. The caveat is necessary and and needed these days, indeed. Um, Yeah. What you thinking about, friend? I, you know, I'm totally unprepared for this. Um, But I mean, I think what I've been thinking about kind of you know, the things that you think about, but you're not like centering, but that are in the back of your mind, um, you know, is the space for the thinking. Um, I hate myself sometimes. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been really lonely in quarantine because I'm a single, uh, this man, queer person, um, and like thinking about, like, I, like I'm alone. I'm certainly not lonely. I have friends, I have colleagues, I have family. I have, you know, I have all of the things that like make it, that make this life not alone or lonely or whatever I just said. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm starting to, it, I want companionship and I've been thinking about, um, dogs and cats actually I want a dog and I want a cat and I want to raise them together and I want them to be my canyon species um to get me through this cold dark winter that we are that is approaching fast in the midst of a global pandemic um I am just really uh like I, want, I deserve a companion. companion. I aggressively co-sign this. I think you I know. know this. I know. Um, you you Butters know Butters. well Butters, the love of my life. His full name is Leopold uh, 
Butters Harris Stodge. Uh, it's it's complicated, but that's how we found each other. And truly, like almost the exact same circumstance. But I hit my lonely patch like a bit earlier. It was at the beginning of grad school because I had like you know a lot of friends in undergrad, and then like I got to grad school, and I, it was just a smaller group of people, and so like harder to meet people who I had shared interests with. And grad school was like also a bunch of people who were like fully adults and had whole lives they wanted to go right. live and like, like didn't want to hang out you like yeah. <laughs> like what? didn't want to like hang out and shit and it was like can we do we're not gonna go drinking every day yeah, and they're like i have a kid <laughs> so no, no uh, and so sure. like you know I, I got and that's when i got butters and it has been uh it'll be 10 years this upcoming winter oh, so no like do it it's a great choice they're great it honestly yeah. it is great it's life-changing it's really centering to have to care about something else it's like there's a limit to how depressed i'm allowed to get because at the end of the day i do have to get up long enough to feed him and so like you had there's a thing you have to do like i have to go outside like i just he can't shit on the floor like i i have to leave the house at some point today and like i don't know that's been incredibly helpful to me during some very stressful times yeah and i remember you sharing that those insights with me in grad school. And I was in and out of um, relationships uh, throughout grad school. So there were, and I, and, and I am a huge extrovert, as you know, and have zero trouble finding my people and my friends, but it's all very different in a landscape where we are no, not allowed to meet in person. It's a very different landscape where, Absolutely. you know, everything is so virtual. And so I think the first time really since being here at, at, in my new position, have I really felt the, the coldness of being alone? And not just because the temperature changed, but be, you know, like in, an, in a completely new environment where you know, I have colleagues I'm making friends certainly, but, but ultimately it's like I'm still like here by myself. Um, and you know, it just, it would be nice, I think, um, and there's no harm in, I think there's no harm. No, there's lots of actual good. Or companion. And, you know, like, so I, I without like getting too, into too many details. Yeah, I just think that that's something that, um, you know, cooking, I think I shared with you right before we got on, I am at the point in my life where I get excited about, you know, little things, knickknacks or things that I have in my apartment because I can get them now because, you know, a real paycheck and like, a, <laughs> you know, adulting and, um, I got a cookware set and I love it. And I'm so excited about, you know, all of the cooking adventures that I'm going to be doing again, that I attribute in part or in large part actually to you, because you, you did so much cooking and you made so many excellent meals during grad school and you invite me over and we just had like, you were trying new things, you were experimenting and it was so much fun. And I loved that. And I loved, and I loved that, that you loved that and that you loved cooking and that it's a, it's a part of the pro it's a process it can be grounding right and it's some something that i kind of adopted in grad school also in part again because i had friends like you who were cooking for me and you know we would cook for each other um mostly you me but now i'm like <laughs> i like cooking and i like cooking for myself and i but you know ultimately i'm like a lot of meals are not designed for a single person yeah um, and so like those those things i think are reminders and Again, we, we, in, in the conversation that we had earlier about cookware and things before we started recording, you know, you were like, I don't like leftovers. I don't mind leftovers. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not someone who is complaining about, you know, having 
you know, excess soup or excess like protein dish for a few days. Like I, I just, that stuff doesn't bother me as much. I but feel it, compelled be to nice. defend myself, but it is in fact true that I, it's like, <laughs> it's the child in me. I don't like leftovers. Like I ate this yesterday. <laughs> I'm done with it now. I want, I want something new. And yeah. Um, you have butters, you have, you know, people who you can, can share with. So that's like, you know, there's other mouths to feed. Yes. I don't like, I, I, I have, um, there is, I have a small pod of about three people. Um, and I've not yet, well, actually that's not true. I did cook and like shared because I just made like a big batch of, of this one thing a few weeks ago. And so I did share that. And that's nice. Cause I'm like, please, I actually can't eat this and it will go bad. Will you please <laughs> take this off of my hands? It's, um, I, it is, I mean, really, I like it. Like I've said a billion times to, to you, I think of it as the anti-academic work. It's like a thing that you can start and finish in a day and everybody understands it. You don't have to explain soup. Like people get soup, like they can just right. eat it and enjoy it. Right. right. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think I'm just thinking about like, you know, being alone or by myself, but not being alone in the world and just like, you know, how that's, you know, that actually is very, not contradictory, but it's it, like my research is about kind of queer socialities and sex. And so it's very much about physical presence and contact and exchange that is just like not happening these days. And so I think that's part of it too, is like, because I'm writing about some things these days, it's, it's reminding me of what once was. And, you know, certainly what will come eventually in terms of kind of like sociality, maybe. We'll see. Don't question it. Let me live my fantasy, okay? Let me I mean, let I think people will always find a way to fuck. Uh, oh, for sure. Will they, they do it in the ways they used to? Maybe. I, so, 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 I mean, that's a, that's a topic for, I, I think, a different yes. time. But I, do, but I do think that yes. that's a really fruitful question about, like, how will we fuck moving forward? Um, uh, when there are vaccines, will you require proof of vaccination? you know i are you asking me or is it <laughs> no i mean i feel like i'm just gonna get my own vaccine you can make your own choices like do do you oh gosh choice okay right maybe we're, maybe we're straying that's how let's, we let's got move here up. in the first place <laughs> is it um okay so what are you reading these days james Oh, I'm reading Walter Mosley. I'm reading it as tribute because the National Book Awards were recent and I do so enjoy them. I don't know. They're fun. I My advisor used to talk about how like awards are stupid and obviously, but also they're just like a very helpful way to curate books. It's like there's like a billion and a half things that come out every year and so many of them sound really good. And some, I mean, you know, like book marketers are all working from the same like page they know how to make a thing sound good like they're good at what they do and then some of them end up not being good and so it's like helpful to have like a collection of people you trust come in and curate like nah these are legit good books uh, so i enjoy the national book awards i like a good well juried book award uh roxanne gay was on the committee for the national book awards this year and this year's lifetime achievement award went to walter mosley making him the first black man to win a national book award for lifetime achievement not the first black person, that'd be Toni Morrison, Natch. Uh, but the first black man and good for him out here writing the kinds of things that'll make you say, huh, 
all right uh and i must confess that like the only one i had when i went to my shelves was devil in a blue dress but devil in a blue dress is a classic it's a thing that i first encountered in like the hbo movie which i'll tell you about another day uh he's a weird dude who writes weird things and he's fascinating and still so much alive uh and also very much jewish so you know shout out to a black jew Mm, wow there's a lot there thank you for sharing yeah I, I need to I need to follow the National Book Awards then and especially under your recommendation about you know juried books and the like and you know what constitutes good and the like and interestingly so there's actually a tie-in here um that you know one thing uh I've been trying to read work that is not explicitly related to my research to just like get keep me in the the flows of like reading for pleasure um and one one such memoir actually that I recently re-picked up um that I had read uh well I started and read most of it at the beginning of quarantine um with Saeed Jones how we fight for our lives um and Interestingly, he moved to Columbus, which is where I was, and we actually got to encounter each other a few times, um, which was really amazing. Um, and I got to, to share some space with him before, like literally right before the pandemic. And so, and I knew his, you know, and I knew who he was, and I was not trying to be like, a, oh, ooh, you know, whatever, like fangirl, I mean, and totally am, and I highly recommend the memoir. Um, but one thing that he, I remember him like sharing with me in kind of passing was that actually Roxane Gay is one of his like dearest mentors. And so, um, of course, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, of course, like people, people of a certain kind of literature status, I think all kind of know each other, like Casey Lemons, the Roxane Gay's, right? Like they're all in conversation with each other. And so um, that was something that I thought was really cool. Cause I had, re you know, she had, Roxane Gay had given a conversation um, probably a few years ago on campus at OSU, I'm sorry. And um, it was uh, uh, just the kind of literary tradition or conversations that people are having. Um, you know, Said is a, is a black gay man from Texas and that's another kind of point of interest for us both. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a really, it's a really great memoir. Um, I mean, uh, you know, as someone who doesn't read a lot of them, um, but what was particularly hooked in this one for, 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 for various vantage points. And so um, there's a line that he has about, you know, if his body had been treated like a weapon, then why wouldn't he make it a weapon? Like why not treat his body as a weapon? Um, and that like line has just like stuck with me. Um, resonated right like if, if I'm already going to be treated as such then why not be the thing um and not in like a an ex, like a an explicitly violent way but like you know I'm going to use I'm going to use what I have too and not have the meaning imposed on me from without or from the outside um so I don't know there's just like a lot of a lot of like generative nuggets in addition to the overall kind of structure of the memoir being just and the imagery and the tell you conversation. Uh, the, that 
is beautiful and thank you and i actually have that somewhere on my like it's on a shelf and i'm gonna get to it i swear i'm gonna get to it because it does look so very good but it is so very far outside the list of books i'm supposed to be reading for this fucking book project but i'm gonna do it because it looks really good um but like (laughs) that actually just made me think about the nightmare that was the job market because i remember being in an interview at a job that like it became fairly clear to me about two-thirds of the way through the interview that i was not getting this job but also that i did not want this job and I think the thing that clicked for me in figuring out that I didn't want the job was that like one of the women at the interview you know the part where you like go to lunch or whatever was like I said like oh yeah there's like this thing and it's super generative and she's like wait gen gener- I've never is that a word I've never heard that before what thank you thank you and and that was my reaction like wait what yeah yes that's a yes and she looked skeptical and then wrote something down on her notepad. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So, yeah, that, that brought it back for me. This, I remember this, this, that. This was, was going to be a potential colleague of yours? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think that, like, if I recall correctly, the way this works is, like, if we were at lunch together, she was probably someone on the planning and budgeting committee. Ooh. Yeah, no, I shat the bed real hard. Didn't know, still don't know why. <laughs> Is that not a word? Are we not okay? Oh, we're just making things up now. What? We're just doing this. All girl, right, girl. What? Baby girl, what? What? Uh, okay. Also, though, truly, I also, I didn't want it. You know, things that. align. Things yeah, align. Yeah, no, I didn't yeah, right. I didn't want it. You it know, was it, it was in Staten Island, which enough said. I don't know anything about Staten Island. No, you I don't need to. Up. Moving right along. <laughs> um Cool. Well, I think that, you know, it's been, we've had a really generative conversation here today, James, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Is that a word? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop right now. It has um, been a joy as always. As oh, always. As I, always. I am so happy to see that you're doing well, that you are settling into this faculty life. Soon and very soon, we will get to have conversations about the nightmare that is trying to make a book proposal. What even are those things? Uh, But first, there is the Thanksgiving to deal with. So please do be safe. Likewise, James. Thank you for all your well wishes. I love you. And so good to hear, you know, the goods and the bads and the uglies um, and the pretties um, of all of your journey as well. So Looking Word. forward to the next one. And yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving and sending all my love to you and your family. Ow. Mwah. <laughs>